Greetings, and welcome to Beatles Stuffology, where two old friends sit around and talk BS, Beatles stuff, on a track-by-track -track basis, pretty much for the sake of it. My name is JG McQuarrie, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Deacon. Say hi, Andrew. Hello. I'm going to introduce you to um, um, an interesting um, little phrase today that, that I've read in relation to the song that we're going to talk about, or at least something to do with the song, Bowel Rumbling Brilliance. Okay, there's a little um, feed forward for you folks. Bowel rumbling brilliance. Fantastic. Well, we're in for some exciting times this episode then. Um, well, we said yes. that, but we're talking about every uh, little thing. So, yeah, we're getting through the second site oh, now. Oh, yeah, don't forget the timpani. That's very important. We will be discussing timpani. Well, you, you have to. After every time you say every little thing. Dum dum. You have to do that. Okay. That's 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 just just the way it works. Lovely. Okay. So, what did you think of this song? <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, I have I have views. I think it, it is potentially a brilliant song. I think it's merely pretty good, pretty darn good. Um, but I think that's primarily because, although apparently it was written by Paul. Um, you see the rhythm there, that's quite good. You know, boom, boom. Anyway, never mind. Someone, someone would have got that. Um, it, it was written uh, by him with the intention of it being a possible single. By the time they came to record it, it was clear it wasn't going to be a single. And as a result, perhaps they didn't spend as much time in the studio finessing and polishing it in a way that they would have done for something that was going to be a standalone release. That doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that it's, it could have been so much more. So to me, it's merely a very good album track um, that lifts the mood between some fairly slight covers. And I would then put it in the same bracket as a song like You Can't Do That. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's very much one of those sort of, well, I was going to say Forgotten Gems. I think that's maybe... Maybe a little bit too much, but it is, it's definitely one of the sort of forgotten tracks. Um, McCartney doesn't seem to have much regard for it, doesn't seem to have really done anything with it since it was recorded. And it's one of those songs that I think, like, if you explain it, oh, you go, oh, right, yes, it's, it's, it's that one. But it's kind of quite difficult to get it to stick in the mind otherwise. And I think that kind of leans into what you're saying, which is it, it really could have been outstanding. But as it is, it's simply extremely good. It's definitely it's definitely one of the highlights of, of side two of this record. Not that there are a lot of highlights to pick out. Um, but it, it, gives, um, it gives a bit of tonal variety to what's going on in the album. And I, I really like that kind of side of it as well i know one of the things that a lot of people say about this song is that um it feels like it's kind of prefiguring what's going to happen on help and rubber soul and i i get that to an extent but i also it's not really like anything which is on either of those albums it's too short apart from anything else like two minutes long i i think that's that's reading reading a bit too much into it uh, i think yeah so. i i think it's it's fair enough um after the fact you can maybe draw some sort of subliminal uh comparison but you know that would be like um i've not seen the mccartney lyric book but that would be like mccartney writing a, a three thousand word essay on the subtext of why don't we do it in the road um and you know there is no subtext you know it's it's you know after the fact and you know it's fine if, if people want to make those associations uh they can do so it's really not a problem um, I think it's interesting what you say because um, I think 
the the interesting things about the song are the um the the instruments the instrumentation and we're not talking about the guitars we're not talking about the bass we're not really talking about those drums but we are talking about the timpani and the piano as well and and i suppose in that sense we could be prefiguring what's to come because of the difference in instrumentation that the beatles start to develop from this point onwards um stops talking in that that um that that voice because actually those bits are more interesting than um the lyrics which are pretty bland yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, I realised I said something to you off mic um, before we started recording that I was going to do, and I haven't done it, so I'm going to do it now, a, a mere five minutes into the episode, which is say, this is I might be there might be quite a lot of swearing coming up, um, so I just want to make people aware. For those of a more sensitive disp- disposition, we do swear from time to time uh, on this podcast, but there's going to be a, a, a fair bit of it coming up, and it's all entirely justified. So um, I just want to make that point very clear sits back put feet up lights cigar and waits for the action excellent well it's not coming up just yet so oh. don't i don't want to um i don't want to uh i don't want to blow my load too soon but it's definitely coming up nonetheless i probably could have found a better way of saying no, that never well, mind. right we've, we've just mentioned the the instrumentation perhaps I'll, I'll bring in my reference to the bow rumbling brilliance I think uh, you should. There, there was an article a few years ago, um, 2009, uh, in The Guardian about the, the timpani called What's That Sound, which uh, there's a nice sort of 60s link there. Um, and and it's actually in, in the article that I, I don't think it's the writer. I think it's it's probably the um, the sub-editor um, who's, who's added in the reference to the bowel rumbling brilliance. And there's a, the, the bees in there are doing an awful lot of work. And actually... You know the reverberation from that phrase is quite similar to the um, the timpani itself, and and the the other thing that that's so it sort of talks about its lineage in in terms of you know um, classical music through into um, into pop music because it has a you know a life after this even to the point it talks about John Bonham using an electronic version of a timpani when playing for for Led Zeppelin which is not something um, I'm aware of. However, it does say that the timpani is elemental and huge and sounds like it could crush you. And I think that's why when I first heard this song as a, you know, sort of mid-late teenager, especially having listened to a lot of other songs on, on this album, it, it just felt like a breath of fresh air and something of monumental importance. Until then, you listen to the rest of the song and realise it hadn't been worked through to its fullest conclusion. And at that point, I felt like I wanted more timpani because it's actually quite sparingly used on this. Now, however, as a slightly older um, human being with one or two more grey hairs, I actually like the fact that it's been used so sparingly, that it punctuates rather than actually acts as, as, as something that runs all the way through. I think it makes it much more effective. Well, it's a hook. I think that's. I think it's as simple as that. It's it's one of the hooks of the song, but I think it's also one of the things that mitigates against that reading of this as sort of prefiguring what's to come, because it's actually very old fashioned. It's a. It's very straightforwardly Roy Orbison. You know, um, that's that's kind of where your classic big timpani comes from in the fifties, and it's it's playing into that kind of thing. You know, and 
I don't mean that as a criticism. I think it's, I mean, we know obviously that they were fans of Roy Orbison. They toured with Roy Orbison, et cetera, et cetera. So there's no, there's no question of the direct connection there. But I think it is a question, uh, or I think it is a case of them being able to take something from an artist that they admire, apply it to their own songs. And while still sounding like a reference, it doesn't really sound derivative. It's, it's not being used in quite the same way that it would be used in a Roy Orbison song. It is adding drama, which is, of course, the whole the whole thing of, of Roy Orbison is these big kind of melodramatic numbers. Um, but this song isn't playing into it. it, it it's adding that, that extra emotional depth to it. But this isn't a song which is um, playing melodrama up to the highlight. You know, it, it's essentially a love song. Kind of sounds a bit like the, the protagonist is trying to convince themselves at certain moments, but it is still basically a love song. It's not one of jo- Roy Orbison's kind of big, oh, I'm so lonely, I'm so blue kind of numbers. Uh, but that it, it, it feels like it's harking back to that era. Um, it's very different from the uh, the song that we covered in the last episode, which is just a straightforward cover version of Carl Perkins. Um, so if you compare the two, I think it's, it's interesting to, to draw that comparison because... The straightforward cover version is is just it's just replication. There's, there's nothing done with it. There's no attempt to kind of zhuzh it up or give it an extra whatever. It it it, it simply exists as a thing. Whereas um, this isn't simply replication of something that would happen in, for example, a Roy Orbison song. But it is drawing on the almost like a sort of folk memory of what Roy Orbison's song is and then applying that to a song which is indisputably a Beatles song. This doesn't sound like a Roy Orbison number. It sounds like a Beatles song, but it has that that kind of underpinning which has been taken from their memory of other songs. And I really like that about this song. I like the fact that it's pulling on influences without simply replicating yeah, and, and I think that's an important point to make, isn't it? Because all of their covers are pretty faithful. Most of the covers are pretty faithful. So to be able to yeah. to take the influence and adapt it is a, a sign of their evolving evolving craft. I realised just how serious and pretentious that sounded for a moment, um, uh, halfway through saying it. Yeah, and, and and I think doing a few different things, whether that's because they decided to, or whether because they were open to the influence of of George Martin, doesn't really matter. I mean, they were open to influences like that in a way that perhaps other artists weren't or other producers weren't as smart as as to to see the importance of of those influences. And I I would add that, um, you know, I've made reference to the fact that the the verse is is a bit bland, except without the bit. Um, You know, oh, I'm a lucky guy. Um, But actually, it's the, the piano that comes in partway through that gives it a bit of oomph. Now, Again, if that's a McCartney thing, don't know. If it's George Martin deciding that that's, that's it and the arrangement they want, brilliant. But it really works and it really adds something that, that has a little bit of drive that is missing elsewhere. And I think it's a sign as well of what they could have done with the song if they had decided to be a bit braver and, and think of it as being a, a potential single release. Yeah, I agree. And the idea that this song has um, space that where it could be pushed further, I think, is one of the things that makes it such an intriguing part of their back catalogue. Because, uh, I, I mean, certainly in this form, it's not up to being a single. That's that's pretty 
pretty clear, I would say. But I think the idea that there's space for more work to be done on it is, is yeah, it, it, it feels like one of those rare paths not taken. I mean, we get so used to talking about everything that the Beatles did and everything that they achieved and how monumental, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's not often that we stop and think, well, what if they'd actually done something more with something? And this is one of the few examples. I think it's the Ian McDonald book uh, where he says uh, if they'd included like a middle eight or something like that, it would have kind of diluted the power of the song. But I, I honestly don't agree with that at all. I, I, I think if you found the right one, it would give it somewhere to go. Part of the problem is that because the lyrics are relatively straightforward, there's not much in terms of uh, development, but having the extra space for a well-written middle eight would, would, would give you something, not necessarily a catharsis, but it would give the lyrics somewhere to go. Maybe the kind of the slight, that slight, you know, I'm trying to convince myself feel to the song might be something that could be expanded on. Again, that's not something that we get a lot of from the Beatles, but it would be, it would be another sort of fruitful area for them to develop in. So yeah, I would, I would have, I would love to hear a version of this song that was just pushed a little bit harder, a little bit further. I really understand why they didn't want to do this yeah. at that point in the in their careers, but but it, it yeah, it, it's it's not often that we we talk about those kind of roads roads not taken. But there are there are, are few songs where that might be more applicable to than this. I think I mean there are nice touches. I think the the way in which the vocals drift out towards the end mm. with that focus on every little thing um, is. Is, is is pretty sweet actually and yet I think when the song starts it doesn't feel like it's going to go anywhere at all um, so yeah missed opportunity and that's perfectly fine um, because <laughs> they're the Beatles what do you make of the fact it's it's supposedly written by Paul but then of course we know it's sung by John that's, that's a bit of a rarity it is a bit of a rarity. I like it. Um, I think it's interesting and I think it pushes the performance in, again, directions that we don't normally get to see from Lennon at, at this stage. Uh, I think if there is a case to be made that there is any prefiguring in this song, it might be in Lennon's vocal because it is starting to sound much more like the kind of well, well, we'll do the whole full Dylan conversation when we get there, but the kind of full Dylan stuff on, on, on help and rubber soul. And I think it's starting to suggest to Lennon that there are things he can do that aren't just standing there and singing. So having him sing something which has been written maybe in a, an emotional register or, or if that's not too pretentious a way of putting it, uh, that maybe he wouldn't necessarily have chosen for himself. And particularly because there's a tension between the lyric, um, which is, yeah, oh, I'm so lucky. I've, I've got this girl. I'll never leave her, blah, blah, blah. And the music, which is, it's a very simple song. There's only half a dozen chords in it, but it's kind of minory. It's kind of, it's a wee bit, um, I know, yeah, it's just, it's got that tension. I'm saying minor, there's only one minor chord in it, which is B minor, everything else is A, D, E, and G. Um, but it's it's got a, a real tension set up between the way the lyric is trying to deliver something relatively upbeat and this strange, slightly odd time signature as well uh, on the downbeat. And I think that really inspires Lennon to produce... Um, a great vocal performance. I think this is a really, really good performance from him. Um, and also 
I mean, not just in the technical sense, but just because it's pushing him out of the other stuff that he's doing on the album. It's not just uh, a straightforward rock and roll number. It's it's not, you know, it's not stand there and sing. So I love it. I, I really, really like the fact that it's Lennon singing a McCartney vocal. What do you reckon? Well, I, I, I think he sings it pretty well. And, and you know, if anyone has managed to get through... Um, um, some of our episodes, they'll know that I'm not always the biggest fan of, of Lennon's singing. I don't see the the, the, the Dylan um, comparison, even in a formative stage at the moment, but that's fine. Um, um, I, I think there's, I, I think it suits him because there there is range, but the range isn't too too vast. He's able to put a little bit of emotion in and, and I think it probably suits some of the the, his mentality you, you could be mistaken for thinking it is a John Lennon lyric especially in these early years because there is that sense of oh I'm lucky that this nice person really really likes me there's there's that element to it um, that that almost self-pitying almost creeping into well why shouldn't she she's a woman and I'm a man kind of thing but um, I think it works I, I don't really um, um, I can't really see Paul uh, singing this and I'm not quite sure he's got that at this stage that that emotional heft because Paul's range is the you know it is the, the the kind of really kind of pleasant stuff but also the screamer type thing at this stage and there's not a huge amount that seems to go in between although no doubt that will be hugely controversial with one person uh, uh, at some point but you know we'll see I mean it, it's 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 such a nice, refreshing change from some of the songs that have, have gone before, bearing in mind that we've we've had to plough through like that should never be spoken of again and and, and honey dough. And and it does make you wonder whether its positioning on the album makes it feel like it's greater than um the sum of its parts. However, that's assuming that people these days are listening to it. Um, as a continuous run in in an album uh, rather than as an individual song it'd be interesting to know from from listeners how they do listen to the Beatles these days does anyone listen to anything as an album anymore except other than on on vinyl um, and why would you listen to it on vinyl you have to get up every 15-20 minutes and change the side god it's a pain Yes, yes. Given our vinyl confessions in our previous episode, I'm not sure either of us are the best place to make that as a criticism. But uh, glossing over that, and the other thing I want to say about Lennon's vocal is that um, I don't exactly know that this is the right adjective for it, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Which is that there's a slight fragility to it, um, and this was brought home by the fact that, as 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 often we do on this podcast, um, I have tried to investigate some cover versions. And hey, one of the is this where the swearing of, comes in? This is definitely where the swearing is coming in. Yes. Yes. Um, so one of the cover versions that I came across uh, is by Yes, and it is fucking terrible. And no, I mean it's it's Yes, of course it's fucking terrible. Um, you know. So uh, sorry to our Yes prog rock fans out there but can yeah I, can but, i just ask my, my assumption is that because it's by yes not only is it terrible but it's it's also 15 minutes long well that's a, <laughs> it, uh, well it's funny you should say that uh it's it's not it's it's slightly under six minutes long um 
But this song is two minutes long, so they've tripled its length. So it, it is still falling within that, you know, that kind of boundary. Um, but it is uh, it's so fucking bad. Um, I love doing this podcast, but every every so often you would come across something you just think it's the worst thing ever. And, and fuck me, this is one of them. It's so bad. It takes... What is uh, you know okay fair enough we've 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 admitted that this is a relatively slight song in terms of its length uh, and it's maybe not the most uh, sophisticated lyric in the world but it's got its charms and the charms here are quite delicate and that's why that's why I was hesitating around using the word fragility to describe Lennon's vocal it's not quite fragile it's not exactly the right word but there is a delicateness to it I think there's a yearning a yearning that's for sure well it is fucking demolished by yes it is it's this massive kind of pylon of technically proficient slop that just just drowns the song in its infancy it's so bad uh i mean i think it takes them something like two minutes before they manage to stagger their way to bother with a fucking lyric um by the time it does get there uh it's you've lost the will to live um it also has it does that thing that just gets in my tits to a degree that I cannot begin to explain, which is for some reason, just before the lyric comes in, it has a, it, they, they do the, like the day tripper riff. It's right, okay. uh, and like the, for that first, like two minute block of music has nothing in common with the actual <laughs> song. It, it's incredibly jarring when it shifts from like two minutes of basically just a, a fucking wall of sound, but not wall of sound um, kind of production that just smears every fucking instrument in the world on it then they play the day tripper riff for no readily apparent reason then the song starts it's just i i mean i don't want to recommend it but if you do go and listen to it it's one of the most misjudged things i think i've ever fucking heard in my life anyway right that's it i've stopped swearing now and i've stopped talking about this fucking cover version it's into microphone and says it's a good job i didn't mention the dirty knife Okay. Well, exactly. Um, so, uh, but while you were, were on that rant, I was listening, I promise. Um, I was just trying to see if I could work out because I had that memory that in one episode, and I cannot remember which song it was, um, I referred to a, um, a Grateful Dead cover um, of a Beatles song <clears throat> or of a song that the Beatles had also covered. I, I, I can't find it uh, now. And, and it's the same sort of thing that they ended up doing a nine-minute version of a of a two minute song and you just think who on earth are you but it turns out that the grateful dead have actually covered quite a few beatles songs so we have the joy of of talking about <laughs> grateful dead covers of blackbird day tripper uh dear prudence hey jude it's all too much loose in sky with diamonds rain revolution tomorrow never knows and why don't we do it in the road dum, 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 dum. so um yeah, um, thanks for that. That's uh, <laughs> that's going to be something. Good. Look, if nothing else, I've fleshed out the running time of the episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting because normally we don't have a problem with with waffling on, and I, um, but I think it's it's kind of interesting that um, these are these are songs that this is a song that we like, but the fact that there isn't a huge amount to to talk about on it is an indication of. Of, of what the Beatles did with it as well so um, it, it's it's good it's relatively slight we can make the comparisons to to you know other Beatles tracks and we could sort of say wouldn't it be nice if can we look forward to this that or the other but you know at the end of the day it's, it's a it's a nice two minute song 
I concur, and I don't really have anything to add beyond that. Yeah, but that's that's a good thing. That's that's actually not a bad thing um, at all. Okay. So then. sometimes you, you 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 shouldn't drag things out and just say, Oof, um, "Let's see, what can I say? Let's go for six. Six. No. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. That's that's bad. See, I I can't give it a seven. Maybe maybe I have to downgrade Honey Don't from the last episode to a four. But I think six. I think six out of ten is fair. Bearing in mind, you know, if if they'd have spent a little bit longer on the production. I think it would have um, it, it would have scored a lot higher. I, I'm going to be fractionally more generous than that, but the fraction is is uh, half. So I'm going to go for a six and a half on that one. I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do. It is. It's a funny little song. I, I, you know, I listened to it a few days ago bef- just to make sure I had uh, I had it rattling around in my head for a while before we started to record, and it has kind of stayed there. It's 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 kind of got stuck. It's it's a it's a it's a funny song, but. Yeah, I'm going to give it six and a half. Just for um for a little bit of uh, a reference, just going on setlist.fm, uh, and obviously this refers to live shows, um, but the um the band that Yes have played most often, it could just be one song that they've included in the most gigs, um, Simon and Garfunkel. Really? Which I think is quite interesting. And Buffalo Springfield come out higher than, than the Beatles. <laughs> However, I am going to point out the fact that if you keep scrolling far enough, uh, you get to Rolf Harris. <laughs> but Rolf Harris beats Buggles. Anyway, um, yeah, before you uh, you go into the, um, um, the um, I was about to say, have I got news for you um, um, <laughs> section. But, you know, the what do we call it? The, the section on... You on can really get a hold of us. That's it. You can really... Oh, that was the other song I was thinking of. That, oh, that is the... Um, is, is an upli- I know it's a cover, but it's an uplifting side two Beatles track that, that really, really works. Um, yeah, just before um, we get on to... to um, praising our own work, I, I just want to uh, mention I've been listening to the Big Beatles Sort Out um, as they start their new series and they're working on the Big 60s Sort Out where they are taking all of the number ones um, from the 1960s in turn. Of course, that will include talking about Beatles tracks. I think it would be very interesting for them because I, I, I suspect and I, I actually hope that they will recognise the fact, although there are no greater bands than the Beatles, there are bands who have produced singles that are potentially greater than the singles released by by the Beatles. And I think it'd be an interesting thing to see uh, where perhaps they rate, I don't know, good vibrations in relation to the Beatles singles, for example. Whereas, you know, I think the Beach Boys um, shone brightly for a short period of time and an awful lot of their back catalogue is just dire some of the things when they were really good are just the most amazing pieces of music that have ever been recorded so that would be interesting but i was reminded of that because um i'm gonna i want to give a um a big Beatles shout out to uh my podcast host uh, mr jg Macquarie, because as good and as interesting as as the um the first few episodes have been of the big 60s sort out um, I think if you go onto to JG's blog and he'll give you the address for that in a minute, you will find where he's pulled together writing um, from a series that he did looking at uh, rating the best number twos in UK uh, chart history. Um, and it was very much focused on solely on the songs that peaked 
at number two, which is a fascinating look, and then selecting which one was the best in each year uh, going forward. And and I suppose if, if anyone does listen to both this and the big 60s um, sort out, then what you could do is go back and have a look at the ones that, that JG picked for that particular year and have a think about whether or not it's always the best song that gets to number two or whether some of those that got to number two would have been better, perhaps for an, in our view, than um, the number ones. So um, over to you, JG. I've plugged your your blog. I would highly recommend that um, that you, dear listener, go and, and have a look. And where can they find it? Uh, well, they can find it at www.jgmacquarie.scot. And um, thank you for those kind words. Uh, it was a really, really fascinating series to write. It, it, I should say one thing. Uh, it's not just UK chart history, so uh, it's either UK or US. Uh, but, uh, but that's simply because there are some years where there was nothing worth talking about. So it helped give a little, <laughs> bit, a little bit of diversity in terms of the material that could be covered. Um, but it was a really fascinating series to write. And it, it's kind of interesting to uh, to have a look at the songs that kind of almost make it, but not quite. Now, inevitably, there's one massive great Beatles connection there. You can probably guess which one. Um, but it was, it was kind of interesting to look into that because uh, there were a couple of... Uh, facts around it that I wasn't aware of, despite the fact that I like to think of myself as being sort of relatively well informed <laughs> on the subject of of the Beatles. So it, it it kind of threw up a few bits and pieces that I just I just didn't know. We'll talk about that maybe more when when we get to the. Uh, why am I pretending it's not Strawberry Fields Forever? Of course, uh, it bloody I, is. I think we we'll um, get to that in about twenty twenty seven. Yes, I think so. So it'll be a while, but uh, but we will get there in the end. And uh, yeah, it's it was a really it was a really great series. I also just want to um, I really really enjoy uh, Big Beatles Sort Out. It's um, it's one of the best Beatles uh, podcasts out there. So I'm really interested. I haven't started listening to the Big Sixty Sort Out yet, uh, but I will do soon. Do it's, uh, it's lovely. It's the, the, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Good. Right. Let us call it there. Uh, well, you can really. I nearly did have I got news for you theme tune there now as well. You see, I've got that stuck in my head. Um, you can really get a hold of us. Uh, you can contact us by email. We are Beatlesstuffology at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at Beatles underscore ology and we're Beatlesstuffology on Instagram. As previously mentioned, you can find my blog at www.jgmacquarie.scot. Uh, and please check out my other podcast, which is Talking Trek to You, where a noob and an expert go through the original Star Trek series episode by episode. Please like, rate, and review us on whatever podcatcher you're using so that more people can find the show. The more you rate us, the more people have to listen to our inane waffling. And that just seems like a good thing all round. Lovely. Next week, uh, I don't want to spoil the party, but we have to listen to that song, so I'm probably going to. But until then, keep listening.